Hello, hello, everyone. Welcome to Anime Ichiban, Goomba Stomp's dedicated anime podcast. Except we're not so dedicated to anime this episode. We got a little special episode for you today. If you couldn't tell from the title, this is Anime Ichiban Side Story Gaiden EX. I haven't quite decided what I'm going to call it yet, but it's probably going to be one of those. For a. Alpha. Or Alpha, yes, indeed. <laughs> for a very special episode, we have a very special cast. Out with Kyle, out with Harry. They're lame anyways. We got the brand, or not brand new, returning after a while. We got Mike from Goomba Stomp. How are you doing, Mike? I'm doing good, man. Still watching anime. Just nothing nothing new and exciting at the moment, but you, you still just, watching uh, anime. You've been uh, following My Hero Academia, correct? I think that was the last time you were following. Yeah, uh, I just I just got caught up on High Score Girl. Oh, now yeah, that that's right. finally yeah, been yeah. officially re- released in the, in the States and Canada and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's yeah. We talk about that on the podcast all the time. How it's so annoying. Netflix will just hold a show hostage for like six months on end before releasing it finally. But yeah. uh, besides Mike, we also have for the first time on the podcast Renan from also from Goomba Stomp, and he is very good at writing retrospectives. I must say, <laughs> going through large series much. and just writing a piece on every single game in that series. It is my passion. Yes, I can tell. Uh, he, and he writes very short retrospectives. Yes, it's, <laughs> yes, exactly. A thousand words or less. This is coming from somebody who's edited a lot of them. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> and yeah, Renan's Renan's writing style is eight thousand words or less. Mm-hmm. No, no, no compromises for sure. I I edited part of his uh, Dragon Ball retrospective, which was very That's right. new as well. He wrote a comparison between the original Dragon Ball manga and the Dragon Ball anime. I'm not sure if you ended up getting through the whole series or not but it was very very detailed thank you very much i wrote all of it but i stopped publishing it because no one was reading it okay bummer Mm. yeah well i stole this from uh, rick on his podcast but whenever we have a new guest on this podcast i like to ask them just a few questions just to uh, get the listeners familiar with yourself so we're just gonna hop right into it so question number one what is your favorite anime Uh, neon genesis evangelion Ah, uh, okay, yes. Good choice. Thank you. Yeah, Mike, you just saw watched that one that came out on Netflix too, right? Yeah, I watched that last summer, and it was incredible. Oh, yeah. Amazing series. Phenomenal. Mm-hmm. And the movies are yeah. great too. If not, they only confuse you more as well, but that's part of the experience. <laughs> it is. All right. Yep. It's a David Lynch. It's very Lynchian experience. <laughs> All right, question number two. So, harking back to your Dragon Ball retrospective, what is your favorite Dragon Ball character? Goku. Goku, okay, nice and simple. Absolutely. <laughs> and then finally, due to the content of this podcast, which I realize I haven't actually said what this is yet, but what is your favorite Final Fantasy game? My favorite Final Fantasy game is the original Final Fantasy VII. The original? Oh, okay, nice. So we got we got some discussion to go on today. So yes, that leads into what this special episode is about. This is a super extra duper special Spoiler cast episode on Final Fantasy VII Remake. It has been out for almost a month now. It came out at the beginning of the month, right? Beginning of April. About a month. Yeah, about a month. Like, everyone's had time to get through it, formulate their thoughts on it, have very strong opinions on it, and we're here to get down to the nitty-gritty, and we have very, very... We have a lot to talk about, I'm pretty sure. So, just to get started. So, Renan, obviously, you've played the original FF7. You're very familiar with it. Um, Are you... uh, how much other exposure do you have to the greater FF7 universe, I would say? Uh, 
other than Advent Children, which I watched for the first time a week or two ago, I've already played through the entire compilation as much as I realistically can in English. All right. So I'd say I'm I'm pretty knowledgeable about Final Fantasy VII as like a sub-series within the franchise. All right, very good. Mike, what about you? Have you played the original FF7? Have you uh, delved yeah, into the I, side stuff? I've played the original FF7 on PlayStation 1 at least six times, and then I played it on Steam and got everything in it, and then I played it on PS4 and got everything in it. So, <laughs> I mean, I'm pretty familiar with it. And, and like Renan, I've seen... Or Renan, excuse me. Renan. We, we were talking about this earlier. We didn't know how to pronounce your name. Um, <laughs> Renan, like Renan, I'm I'm pretty exposed to the extended universe as well. I've seen Advent Children a few times. Um, I never played that before Crisis game because it was in, like... You yeah. couldn't really play that here. Uh, I've never played Crisis Core because I didn't have a PSP, but I did play Dojo Cerberus, and that game sucks. <laughs> so <Yeah>? I've heard. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so I'm the actual special outlier here in that I have very, very, or I had very, very minimal experience with FF7 at all going into this. I was, I had not touched the original FF7 at all, not a single second of it in my entire life. And I had played maybe like four hours of Crisis Core on the PSP back when, just enough to still not know what the hell was happening essentially. So I was going into this remake essentially completely fresh, only knowing that Cloud is Mr. JRPG essentially. <laughs> <laughs> that was the extent of my knowledge going into this. And so uh, I I appreciate the remake for introducing me to this franchise now for reasons that we will get into later, I'm sure. Uh, so yeah, just to get us started off, uh, Mike, why don't you give me just your very broad elevator pitch impressions of what you thought of Final Fantasy VII Remake? Um. I was very pleasantly surprised. I'm pretty cynical when it comes to Square Enix, Understandable. Uh, especially over the last like yeah, especially for like the last five or six years, they've become very spin-off heavy, very like cash cow esque. Um, even even going back to like Final Fantasy X with Ten Two, like they've been really reusing and like the Kingdom Hearts series, they've been reusing assets wherever they can, really milking franchises over the last fifteen years. You mean years-ish. you didn't want three games of lightning? <laughs> no <laughs> no and like there's yeah there's so i've been I'm, I'm i can be very cynical about square enix in general um but i was very pleasantly surprised with the final Fantasy 7 remake because with my noted cynicism despite like loving this series i was yeah i was not a, i played the demo when it first came out and i was blown away by the demo because it feels like i know not everybody left 15 oh this is supposed to be an elevator pitch <laughs> sorry <laughs> it's fine Sorry, this is like this is like the elevator going from um, oh, four zero to it's zero to fifty nine zero to sixty five like, yeah exactly yeah it's a long elevator ride okay elevator pitch um a lot of great nostalgia to keep you coming back if you're an old fan a lot of new stuff if you're a new fan and it's a pretty perfect mix I feel of like old and new mashed together. And the only thing I didn't like about it was those phantom things, and then they get retconned out of the story <laughs> at the end, so perfect. Works for me, man. I thought it was great. Hot. Awesome. Uh, Renan, what about you? What did you think about the game from an overall uh, high-level perspective? Amazing combat. Probably my favorite action RPG like battle system in a very long time. Super mediocre level in world design. Mm-hmm. Every time I think I want to replay Final Fantasy VII Remake again... I think about the sewers, and I think about the train yard, and I have to reconsider a bit. (laughs) 
Yeah, we're definitely going to get into that in some of the puzzles as well, like the mechanical hands. Yippee. Man. <laughs> oh, yeah. So as for me, uh, like I said, as a newcomer to the series, I was going into this remake uh, with the wanting to be shown why this series was hold, held in such high regard, why it's cherished so much to this day, de- over a decade later, why it deserves this remake. And for the most part, this remake made me understand why through its characters and how they interacted and how the personal the stakes felt amongst the the usual Square Enix larger than life story going on. And then to your point, Renan, as well, the combat was great, although I definitely have some qualms on that as well. And so just to launch right into that, we're going to be talking about the combat first, the whole uh, mixture of real time and pseudo turn-based in a weird way. And so, Renan, when you first stepped into the reactor core as Cloud and you pressed square for the first time to swing that sword, how did that feel to you? Terrible. <laughs> oh, it, boy. Ab- abysmal. It was one of the worst swings I've ever felt in a video game. Oh, and then man. I got into a battle, and it was incredible. <laughs> and I just I can't sing enough praises about the combat system in this game. I truly love it. It manages to capture... What I loved about the original ATB system, that speed and like the inherent strategy of having to think fast with just general action, which I love. Right. It, it, what what really stuck out to me and what took me a while to get the hang of, the, the speed of the ATB in action, as you said, is that mm. you can't play this as a normal action game and that you can't just focus on Cloud the whole time and like button yeah. mashing use his abilities. Like the game forces you to switch around, to build up ATB with other characters, use that ATB and quickly switch to another. Uh, you can't just remain stagnant with any one character. And that took me a while to figure out, I feel like, because for Likewise. a long time, I wanted this to be like a Devil May Cry game in a weird way or some sort of Dark Souls right. game. And that's definitely not how this plays. You... I, at first, I'm Kingdom like, Hearts I'm, would probably be the closest comparison. Or Kingdom Hearts, yeah. I'm like, okay, I'm going to set all of my special abilities to shortcuts like in Kingdom Hearts. That way I don't have to pause the battle every time. And I'm going to just use those. And that's not how this works at all. There's no. a lot of variety in the battles. There's a lot of variety in the enemy designs that forces you to uh, reevaluate how you go about your approaches in each encounter. Mike, can you uh, do you agree with any of that? Do you have anything to uh, add on to that? I... Yeah, I love the battle system. I felt like the 15 battle system was just like a hairbreadth away from being really great. Mm-hmm. And then I feel like I feel like Final Fantasy VII took that battle system, fixed everything that was wrong with it, and just nailed this balance between like the Final Fantasy 15 battle system and then the Final, the original Final Fantasy VII battle system, like crossing all these generations to kind of hammer these two disparate things together. And then they took one of the best battle systems in the entire series. Um, and took the best part of it, the stagger system from 13. Mm-hmm. And they hammered that in there, too. And on paper, that sounds like a, like a huge failing plan. Yeah. <laughs> but it, it works so well. Yes. The- and when you get into, like, a super intense battle, and you, like, you get into this this flow of, like, attack, ATB, attack, attack, ATB, change, attack, ATB, attack, ATB. And then, like, you're, like, cycling through each character and heal, and then, like... You know, you get you get this flow going, like in the Sephiroth battle, or like the some of the optional harder battles in the in the Shinra HQ mm-hmm. thing, and you get this this intense flow going, and it's just it really really hammers. It's it's 
really great. Exactly. The, this, the point you bring up about the stagger system is really important, I think, because uh, to a point, you can sort of hack and slash your way through on normal mode in a weird way, <laughs> but it's never the most efficient way. And the fact that each enemy has their own unique way of building up the stagger gauge um, makes it feel fresh each time. And it also makes each character feel relevant because, boy, does each character play vastly different from each other. The fact that because when I first played Barrett in the reactor mission, I was like, uh, I, I'm not really a fan of him. Like, I don't really feel him doing damage with this machine gun bit. Like, I'm, I don't feel like I'm going to use him a whole lot. But then you had, like, the end... The, seahorse kind of enemies that you hit them around if you smack them around a bit with a cloud and they start spinning around and then you can't hit them with your normal sword and then you need to switch to barret in order to stagger them at that point and so i really appreciate the game making all the characters feel useful um there was only four that you could actually play as but they all felt important in a way and they never it never felt like i had i was purposely sidelining them just because they didn't feel needed mm. It helps that the game doesn't let you sideline anyone, too. Right, yeah. I was waiting for the point where all four of them were, would come together, and it's like, okay, now choose the person who you're going to bench. But that wasn't the case, not even the, in the final battle, which was I interesting. Yeah. I'm really wondering how they're going to balance that in the sequel. That's one of the biggest things I was wondering about the sequel, mm -hmm. is it's like, once you've got all nine characters... Are they gonna send them? Are they gonna for, like send them on separate missions? I don't think we're getting or... a party editor. Right. Yeah, like what are what are we doing? It's, it makes me wonder because with the vo like the original had the ability to change all the characters around, but that's because it was just written dialogue. Mm -hmm. Like they're not going to voice record dialogue for every character for every quest, just to send just in case you pick them or whatever. Right. right. That's something that I really appreciate about uh, RPGs or JRPGs, especially with the rare times they do it, is when they have organic reasons for why your party exists. It's not just like, we all met each other and now we're all stuck with each other for a 100-hour quest for some reason. It's like, no, they come and go for reasons that uh, may be personal, may be outside of your control, but it never feels contrived that they can get together. And I really felt that in this remake, uh, the fact that through the whole middle part of the game, Barrett was almost absent. And I was like, man, it's been a long time since I played as Barrett, but I don't feel gypped by that because it feels very natural that I'm spending all this time with Aerith right now. And by the time it brings back in Tifa, and by the time it's just you and Tifa and Barrett again, it all there's all a point and reason to it. And even in the final battle when they find some sort of reason to uh, kind of take one member out, it feels contextualized. Like, okay, Barrett, you go and like deliver the finishing blow when it's ready. Which, by the way, I found out later that your party for the final battle changes depending on choices you've made throughout the main game. Yes. Did you guys know that? I had no idea. I, big Who time. Who was your yep. final party? It was uh, Aerith and Tifa, which I was very glad glad for. What That's a way know? better party. I got When I was playing through hard mode, I got um, Barrett and Tifa at the end, and I Me couldn't too. beat it. I couldn't oh, yeah. beat it with Barrett. I can't Tifa. imagine so not I having I had to replay it. Yeah, I had to replay it, and then Aerith came the second time I, I did that battle from start. Like, I did did the entire fate battle all over again, and then got to Sephiroth, and this time Aerith came, and I was like, oh boy, I can heal again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. So that's that's the kind of stuff I, I love, how I didn't even realize that uh, the game was deciding my party for me at that point. It just felt like a matter of course, in a way. 
Uh, and so uh, a, a large part of the battle system, both in the original FF7 and this, of course, is the materia system. And from my understanding, the materia system is this is pretty vastly different from the original materia system in FF7. Am I? Is that correct? I don't, that I don't know if I'd say actually, vastly. Not that different. Uh, I feel like the major difference is that you don't get duplicate materia when you master them now. And oh, also, which is they, a small they, difference. They level up super fast. Okay. Like yeah. comparatively. All right. So other than that, the fact that you slot them into your weapons, you slot them into your equipment, that remains the same, essentially. Essentially. Okay. Yeah, it's more or less the same. Like like Renan said, it goes a little bit faster, but that's because this game goes a little bit faster in general. Mm. But yeah, generally, like they even kept the same names. Like in most Final Fantasies, don't have like barrier material, like barrier spells. Mm-hmm. They have uh, you would have shell or protect or whatever, right? Right. Yeah. That's more of the standard Final Fantasy naming, but Final Fantasy VII had barrier and M barrier and mana ward and like, and they actually, I'm, like, I'm really impressed at the, how far they went to go to keep the original experience as it was because they didn't change any of the name of the materials to how they eventually changed them, and they've been the same ever since eight, nine, ten, eleven, like all of the games since have had the same names for everything, mm-hmm. and then they but they went back to what they were called in seven, and. I'm sure that uh, appeals to a lot of the nostalgia factor as well. Something, yeah, I, I really, I really liked the the customizability of the materia. How I could make Cloud this elemental damage dealer with the elemental material, which I never leveled up a single time throughout my main campaign experience. I equipped it the moment I got it, and I never got a single level out of it. Um, uh, and then you can make, uh, I made Barrett sort of my buffer and debuffer because he would build up ATB really quickly with his machine gun. And then Tifa was basically just passive. So Steadfast Guard, uh, ATB boost, and things like that. Tifa's passive? I, you maniac. <laughs> what? Man, Tifa you wasted up the st- Tifa. Yeah, Tifa builds up the stagger gauge on enemies faster than anybody. Right, yeah. That's what I mean. Like, I didn't put spells on her or anything like that. I gave her oh. ability. I gave her passive material, the purple materia that would buff oh. her up. Yeah, exactly. When you say passive, I thought you meant like you were making her like a side character. No, 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 no. <laughs> like, yeah. what are you doing? No, no, she's up close and personal with those fists for sure. That's th- I. Re- that's something I appreciated about the material system. What I didn't appreciate, though, and this goes back to the party going in and out, was how you would lose a party member for one reason or another, and then you would gain another, and you would have to re-slot material at that point. It's like, okay, I lost Aerith, who was my pretty much my dedicated healer. Now I don't have a healer, so let me, like, jury rig Barrett into some resemblance of that. And that will keep happening. And so I wish that there was, like, a loadout system in a weird way that you could make a set of materia and then apply that to a character to kind of reduce that. Because that did get a little, uh, ex- not exhausting, but uh, annoying at points. Well, I put restore materia on every character in yeah, the game just like I didn't just like I didn't original though. I mean, I think that's probably the difference between us having played the original and you having not. Like you want every character to be able to heal mm-hmm. just in case you guys are medical. Yeah, you got in case in case your character your healer gets one shot in. Mm-hmm. You want your you want every character to have um restore materia and revive materia just in case. And that that's something I also regret is that I got the revive material in the beginning of the game. I equipped it for a while, and then I wasn't using it. I'm like, okay, I could use this slot for other stuff. And then one of the final uh, missions that Chadley gives you for material is like, level up all the magic material. I'm like, well, 
I need 5,000 AP for revive, and it's down to like 28. I don't think I'm doing this in this game. And I'm sad because apparently that's how you get the the final summon is completing all those missions. So I never got whatever that final summon was. It's Bomb-It! Uh, <laughs> maybe I have to go and get it now. <laughs> yeah, I was playing... I think I think me and Renan have a, have a bit of an advantage. I have a friend from work who um, who's never played the original either. And he was he's struggled with this game a lot more than I have. Mm-hmm. And I just told him, like, don't feel bad. Like, I've played through this game, like, the old version of this game a million times. To be so, fair, like, Remake is a lot harder than the original. Really? Ish. Ish. I don't know, I think. Final Fantasy VII, the original some, is so easy. There's some real... There's some real... I don't know, there... I, I, I show, you're right, it is. In general, it's harder. It has In general, like a couple, it's, it's like, a harder game. gates, like a Demon's Wall and stuff, but the remake, I felt like, actually engaged me on a difficulty curve level from start to finish, which FF7, while I love, it's not a game I love for the difficulty. Do you, do you think, though, that's because the original Midgard sequence in FF7 was like six hours long whereas this remake is meant to be a game in and of itself with an actual difficulty curve whereas that curve never really kicked in in the original ff7 at that point uh even the curve never kicks in in the original ff7 i'd say oh, okay <laughs> there's some there's some bosses I, I feel like that are pretty tough like um lost number when you first run into lost yeah, number and lost seven there's uh like you said there's the doom wall or whatever there's um bizarre stuff can be insane if you played the game too good and there's that there's that enemy in nibelheim mountain that has like the long pointy nose uh, that the one material my ass a couple times yeah like so there are i think there are bosses in the original that are tough mm-hmm. but this game's this game's tougher and I, I think going into the bosses since we're already talking right about that the was bosses, the next point yeah well, one of the best things about this game is I felt like ever, when I when I first started hearing about this remake project, and I think it was 2015 yeah. when they first announced <laughs> yeah. it, um, they I, I I immediately started going in my head and checking the boxes for all the things they were going to take out. And again, to their credit, they didn't take any of it out. Oh man! <laughs> like like Hell House is one of the most ridiculous enemy designs in Final Fantasy VII. And they it's so managed stupid. to make it somewhat menacing. <laughs> Well, they made it a boss. Yeah. Like that's not even a boss. That's a normal enemy. Oh, really? In the original okay. Game. Mm-hmm. And it's one of the stupidest enemy designs in the whole game. <laughs> Just like that boss in um in the later in I think chapter sixteen, they have that that stoop they have that stupid swordipede thing or whatever. Oh yeah, yeah. That's again one of the stupidest enemies in the entire game. Right. And they somehow made this into a great boss fight. Like they didn't just they didn't just include the stupid enemies from the original they actually like leaned into it right so and again they they really lean into that like i thought that whole don corneo section was gonna get cut because it's like with with the way things have changed like japanese culture can sometimes be i mean i don't have to tell you tell you or the <laughs> listeners this this is an anime podcast so i have to tell you that sometimes japanese culture can be a little bit insensitive to um you know certain groups or certain needs certain respects and they managed to take that whole section, one of the most, like, what would you say, collar-jerking sections in video game history, and make it work. That that wall market chapter was the highlight of the game for me. That was probably Absolutely. my favorite part of the whole game. I couldn't believe how well it worked. Like, the, how did they, like, I, I can't believe Jules, they, they, they made this, they, they made this Jules sort of, like, was trans- so well done. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, that's what I mean. They made this like this made they made this like trans slash cross dressing, whatever you want to like. I don't know. We don't ask Jules what he's about. It doesn't really matter. But th- whatever he's whatever he is, whether he's trans or whether he's a cross dresser, he works in this game, and he doesn't feel like the butt of a joke like he did in the original. Because that's what that was the whole joke in the original. Like, look, the toughest guy in the entire thing dresses like a girl, right? Ha ha ha. That was the whole joke. But like, he's not played for laughs here. He feels like a real character. And he doesn't look like a joke. He's like a real person, just like and Andrea Rodeo too. It's like yeah, Honey Bee in a got real a person. Really good makeover. I oh love God, the design of the girls' outfits. I, I mean, it was great. Like I can't believe how well they took the crazy aspect that I can't. Like I thought they were gonna have to write these out, and they made them work so well. I think what's very clear is that the developers of this game they have a deep, deep, deep respect of the original and they did not want to compromise on that vision whatsoever in any shape or or regard what at all well Uh, yeah i mean we'll have at a certain point we'll have to talk about the ending and then versus what versus what people have said since that and whatnot but let's i guess we'll probably say that for the end and have like a spoiler warning or something for that right right well this is a spoiler cast so anything goes at any point the the breaks are off in this case you can throw a spoiler anytime whatsoever i will say though uh to when, in terms of uh, FF7 spoilers, the original FF7, to keep it in the realm of what's been covered in the remake. Uh, so you, you can talk about the FF7 bosses like you have and all that. But in terms of story mm-hmm. content past what's happened in the remake, in terms of comparing and contrasting, which we'll get to, limit those a little bit. Uh, that's fair. Yeah. Uh, well, for the sake of comparison, I think we all are just wondering whether Redacted will happen. <laughs> and if you've played yeah. the original, you'll know what Redacted is. Uh, even I know. And what if you haven't, is. don't Google it. Yeah. yeah. I think I think almost everybody knows. It's like one of those just in case. father moments. But yeah, just in case. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Circling back around to bosses really quickly, yeah. I, I will say something that drove me up a wall in this game, though. That the bosses themselves are great. I loved how creative they were. How they forced you to adapt different tactics. You'll. Um, they all have very creative ways of raising their stagger gauge again. The problem was, though, is that you go through all this effort to raise their stagger gauge, and maybe you would stagger them, maybe yep. you wouldn't, and then a cutscene would happen, and then it would well, reset should, everything. Those those should have been those should have been if the, if like if they were gonna do that, they should have put like little blocks in the ATP like in the boss's right. um, health gauge or something because that was again I found that so frustrating. The most satisfying thing. And Final Fantasy XIII, which has a great like for all the quest- for all the qualms people have with that game, I think the combat system in that game is great. And when you stagger an enemy, and then you switch to your what I used to call my cleanup crew, I, I used to send those guys in, and they would just kick the shit out of what I was fighting. Exactly. And you like like you said the whole the, you you build you build up. And some of these bosses. Like it takes a long yeah. time to build it up, mm. and then like like you said, you you finally get it, and you're like, oh, I'm gonna wipe the floor with this prick, and then you get a cutscene like after Tifa punches him twice, and you're like, well, that was worthless. Yeah, or or, the, or even worse, you use a limit break on it. <laughs> oh yeah, man, I had that too. Yeah, that I, yeah, it's yeah. Like, yeah. Oh. that was the I've most glaring so flaw of the whole combat system to me. Uh, like the 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 one the first time where the combat system truly shined, where I was able to come into my own. Like, no holds bar, nothing holding me back was the summon fight against Leviathan. Because that was the first, like, 
completely uninterrupted boss fight with no cutscenes where you had to con- repeatedly stagger it, lay on the damage, he'll recover, and then you just rinse and repeat while re- uh, trying to stay alive. And that felt exhilarating. I love that. And I really wish the rest of the story bosses followed in that pattern as well. I'm usually not a fan of cinematic boss fights, but something about... The way that FF7R uses, like, those in-boss cutscenes, and it it helps that the fight choreography is so good when, like, we shift from gameplay to cutscene. It just, it keeps me engaged, even if, like, in general, I would prefer them to not, like, exist and break the flow of combat. Yeah, I love the cutscenes. They were fantastic, especially, like, going back to the, uh, not Haunted House, uh... Mm -hmm. What's the house, house. called? Hell, Hell House, yeah. Uh, when it, it cuts back and it shows Madame M and uh, Chocobo, Chocobo Sam, which I really wish was a character, just be like, ha-ha, who do you think is going to win? Yeah, yeah. I, I love that. But again, it's like, Me I too. hate how it broke my flow. And that I love the camaraderie. Everything. I think the coolest thing about the cutscenes that weave into the battle is the camaraderie that it shows between the characters. Yes. Like It shows how early on Barrett won't defend cloud yeah in like Mm -hmm. those in those scenes right they're standing apart but by the end of the game when stuff like that happens barrett is back in cloud cloud's backing barrett tifa and Aerith are helping each other so it's like yes there yes there's a love triangle going on here but tifa and Aerith still have each other's backs Mm -hmm. and you see that in those little moments and even right towards then you see how like red backs cloud on the motor motorcycle Mm -hmm. chase jumps on his bike and jumps back oh, and man, all this cool stuff. I love stuff. Red. Red was so cool. Red 13 is my favorite character in this entire series. We could do great. an entire podcast where I could like, just talk I, about I, how I had heard I love the Red name 13. Red 13 going into this, but I had no idea what or who he was. And then when I got to him, like, oh, I see why this name comes up a lot now. <laughs> it was a wolf crossed with a lion. And he's like, why? And he's like also like a wise old man. So <laughs> he's like the best character ever. Mm-hmm. Alright, before we move on from combat, just uh, touching on summons really quickly, because I don't know how those functioned in a real game. How would you say they compare to the original FF7 in their current pretty, incarnation? Pretty different, honestly. Way different. Yeah. Summons in the original much, yeah. game, you basically spellcast them how you would in, like, the the Famicom Final Fantasies, where you have, like, a certain amount of casts based on the level of the summon. Mm-hmm. Whereas in the remake, it, like... I actually never came to fully understand when, like, the summon gauge comes into play. I always just felt like it, cl- it came in whenever the battle was getting at its most climatic for me. Or when it's, it when hel- it's when your health goes into red. It's the same oh. way it worked in 15. It's like whenever, when when you're in a boss battle, they sh- they they don't normally come in when you're in um, regular fights. Mm-hmm. They'll mostly only come in when you're in, like, epic fights of some kind, just like in 15. Right. And then it's usually when your character's getting your ass kicked at some point. Mm. Then you see the gauge start to fill up. It's very similar to 15. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then once you fill it up, at, I think uh, the dip. I don't know. Yeah, I guess it is similar to 15 in that regard. But at least in this one, it's not just one big attack. It's like they stick around for a while. You can issue commands with them with ATB, and then they'll go away. With yeah, I guess it's like, it's like 15 crossed with 10, I guess. Because 10, they show up and you use them. Mm-hmm. I, it would have I been like really cool if you could control them directly, but it, they work well as they are. They're basically guest party members once they're summoned. Yeah, pretty much. Or more than guest party members, considering you can do more with them than Red. <laughs> yeah. Bummer. Yeah, I was really saddened when it said, Red is not playable, but he'll help you. I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah, I understand the reasoning. Like, <laughs> yeah. it would be hard to, like, after 16 chapters of mm-hmm. using these characters... It's like, by the way, here's the end of the game. Now, here's how this character's mechanics work. Exactly, and you only get, you'd only get to use them for like 
two chapters anyway or something like that so not to be fair, those last two chapters are very long. Yeah. yeah. I, I was very surpri- surprised how much was left after the point of no return, for sure. And I'm impressed how much they gave Red to do in such a short period of time. I didn't even I didn't even catch his best joke until I um, replayed the game. I was replaying it last night to going for my Platinum. And uh, he there's a scene where when they're driving on the highway in Chapter 18... Mm-hmm. Barrett says, "Like, how are we supposed to outrun? How are we supposed to outrun that thing in this sack of shit?" And then Red says something about like, it "Takes one to know says, one." <laughs> no, he says, "He says, he says, yeah." He's like, "Yeah, it's three hundred pounds, and it's right in front of me, or something." <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. And, then, and Barrett, I was like, "Holy shit!" I totally missed that line. Yeah, and Barrett just it goes right over his head. Yeah, it's yeah. I was like, "Holy shit!" I can't believe Red got that good of a burn yeah. on Barrett at like, the end of the game. Red and Barrett have and. This is a good excuse to transition on to characters anyway. So yeah, uh, Red and Barrett's interactions are were just stunning in a weird way. I, I could never pin down exactly what kind of relationship they had. because on It's one a level, Gimli and Legolas relationship. It's Gimli and Legolas from Lord of the Rings. Yeah, pretty much. Like, like <laughs> they, 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 they kind of rag on each other, but at the same time, they have an understanding with each other. Like that same part as well, where where uh, Barrett says like, "Oh, it would hurt you to smile, would you? Would it?" And Red gives that like awkward grin, and he's like, "Hmm, maybe frowning's better for you, anyways." It's just <laughs> yeah, they it's, I mean, it's it's a real Gimli and Legolas balance where they have this mutual respect, but they're always giving each other a hard time. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, uh, that the whole game is absolutely stunningly gorgeous. It's insane, and so, what really impressed me about Red specifically is the lip flaps of his muzzle because like a dog's mouth isn't supposed to make human noises and so to make his mouth actually nat- look naturally make those sounds was really impressive to me because you look at something like goofy in kingdom hearts and like his mouth is just kind of opening and closing there's no real rhyme or reason to it where like they really would in the extra mile to kind of translate over the movement of a human mouth to this dog muzzle which i thought was really impressive Mm-hmm. The animation in general is, I, I'm usually not like graphically impressed by much when I play games, but Final Fantasy VII remake the character models, stu- the lighting actually oh, yeah. more than anything. I-, I loved it when it was daytime because the lighting like cu- shining off of a Cloud's Buster Sword, beautiful. Yeah. Well, what, look, 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 just look how different um, Chapter Nine versus chapter 14 is yeah like when you're in wall market at night mm-hmm. and then you're in wall market during the daytime it doesn't even look like the same place right like it's such a it's like it's like being on the vegas strip during nighttime and then being there during the day like mm-hmm. it's such a like the, the attention to detail and it's every detail yeah, it, of how every character looks how they talk how they act how do they run how do they carry themselves how does this character like how does Aerith, Tifa, and Cloud, um, how do they walk and act when they're dressed up in, in Walmart <laughs> in their fancy garb versus how they how they would walk, talk, and act when they're not? On that note, I want to say they nailed Cloud in this game. Oh, yeah. Mm. Like, I, the I, best I he's been like, since the compilation. Yeah, so again, I didn't know much about Cloud going in other than he exists and that he's like somewhat edgy. And I was shocked absolutely shocked by how much growth and development he had in this in-game short amount of time like watching him learn how to care just how to give a shit was 
absolutely downright enthralling. Just the little kind, the little uh, actions he did, like in the very beginning, where uh-huh. he says to Tifa, "It's like, well, there was like a girl one time that I said I'd help if she ever needs to, so I figured I'd stick around for a little bit longer." Or like at the end of chapter fourteen, where Tifa is having her breakdown after the plate collapse, and Cla- he's Cloud's just like, "Should I do this? I, maybe?" And then he hugs her. I'm just like, "My boy." My boy. You know, the, you know the character who appears in that scene changes too? Right, I yep. found that out later, which I can't I didn't because see because that, that scene is so powerful. I didn't see Tifa until my th- I was on my third playthrough of that chapter for different, you know, different mm. uh, side quests, trophies, whatever. And then I started that chapter for the last time. And then Tifa was there and I was like, what the hell? And then I got the best scene of the three different scenes right. you can get. And I was like, "Holy cow!" I can't imagine like, that being is... anyone but Tifa. I actually well, I got like one Aerith with Barrett. Scene. Oh, what's I got one Bar- Barrett and one with Aerith. But the Tifa one I thought was the best. So what happened in the Barrett and Aerith scenes then? Aerith is the one Barrett's... where she tells Cloud not to fall in love with her, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and Barrett's is Barrett's is like him expressing regret about like you know this or I, I like it was it was kind of forgettable. It was him saying like oh, maybe we had this wrong, and, like, the only person who stood up for my daughter, and now she's in da-da-da-da-da. It was more, like, by the numbers of what you would expect. It's basically, like, putting the foundation blocks for his, like, character arc for the rest of the remake. Yeah. Yeah, apparently you get Barrett if uh, you didn't meet the conditions for Aerith or Tifa. He's, like, the uh, the consolation prize. <laughs> but, well, there's a... That's a funny... That's funny that they did that, because... There's, um, the Barrett, there's, like, a scene in the original game where you can go on a date with either Cloud or Aerith, mm-hmm. but if you if you do certain things, you end up going on a date with Barrett, <laughs> and it's really awkward and really funny. Maybe that's a little bit of a callback to that. That's what I, that's what I thought they were doing, yeah, basically. And so, yeah, going back to, uh, to Cloud really quick, it's just, like, actually, I don't remember what I was going to say, uh, more... <laughs> Related to Barrett, but his Avalanche members, Biggs, Wedge, yeah. and Jesse. And so I have heard just the internet exploding over Jesse and how she's characterized. And I think you guys Jesse's? probably Whew. have something to say about that, too. Jesse's, if, if, if I was in real life, Jesse's the one I'd go for. Uh, I always Jesse's had a crush my girl. on Jesse when I was younger, when I was 15, playing Final Fantasy VII for the first time. So she's naturally been my favorite Avalanche member in the remake. That's surprising considering how, because I talked to a lot of people after finishing the remake and then I found out how inconsequential Biggs and Jesse were in the original game, how they hardly had any screen time. So you still felt that attachment to her even with that little amount. I would say so. Jesse's the most Jesse's got the most screen time yeah. of the Avalanche members in the original. She also talks like, the Biggs most and Wedge. to Cloud. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Biggs and Wedge are pretty like circumstantial. Jesse feels like, like when you're going up the plate in the original and Jesse dies, that sucks. Yeah. It sucks Especially here. Since it calls back to her Mako 1 reactor uh, encounter. Mm-hmm. And apparently that whole uh, sequence of her backstory about her parents and wanting to be an opera singer, that was added in for this game as well. That was yes, not in the original. Big time. Like, that's what I, that's one of the things, again, I was, I had big trepidation about like, oh boy, they're going to be expanding these characters who were barely in the original game. But it works. Uh, and Biggs that's especially. Impressive. I really like mm-hmm. Biggs having that connection to Leaf House and the Orphans. Like, I don't love Advent Children, but that, like, nice little thematic note, is it's nice to establish here in part one of the remake. Well, what was his connection yeah. again? I don't remember. Uh, 
he was like uh, he worked at the Leaf House, right? He took care of the orphan children there before he joined Avalanche. Oh yeah, yeah that's was, right. That, was, that was his like quote unquote final words. Quote unquote. Those were the that was the job he did because you meet that um, the the teacher there and she mm-hmm. says, "Oh, it's hard for me to fill in so and so's shoes," mm-hmm. and then you find out who she's talking about is Biggs, and then. Oh yeah, spoilers. Oh wait, we're we're doing spoilers. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Anyway, that's where yeah. Biggs that's where Biggs ends up when you find out he's alive at the end. Anyway, he's in Leaf House, which again, what the? I mean, <laughs> we, we gotta save that for its own yeah. section. Yeah, probably, absolutely. But Jesus. Yeah. Uh, speaking of the Leaf House, I just want to touch on really quickly. Uh, uh, Folia, I'm not sure if you guys found her in Walmart. I did find her. That was, I sure did. That was hilarious because like before you go there and you talk to her, it's like oh like i'm really busy i have an engagement after this please find the kids and she doesn't go into that engagement you just think it's like oh she's probably got like family yeah. issues or something and you find her in walmart in a b-girl outfit you're like what yeah I did, I did not like the game oh man that's what that's why i like i i didn't i wasn't able to review the game for um for goomba stomp because i got a free copy from the other site that i rate for mm-hmm. um so but i that's why i gave the game a 10 out of 10 because the whole time, I just kept getting blown away by the level of detail and how much fun I was having and how interested in these side characters, even characters, the ones that were like new characters who I didn't even know. Mm-hmm. And like the the way they interacted and the level, like, wow. I mean, talk about like this this game, uh, despite my excitement for this game, I had so much like, oh, how badly are they going to mess this up is what I was thinking. And they just nailed it on all cylinders. Like, there are, like, we, we, I guess this is probably the best time to talk about spoilers because I'm just gushing. I mean, uh, flaws, flaws with the game (laughs) because I'm just gushing about it. But man, even, even, like, even crane, even crane games, even, um, switch pulling mini games and everything because it feels in, it feels in spirit of the original. I don't know if I, I, in, in theory, it feels in spirit with the original. Because the game. The original is just packed with mini games. It is, but they're like, fast. Every ten minutes, you're playing a mini game. I wouldn't original. say every ten minutes. I was definitely surprised by the number. No, of I'm, mini I'm games. exaggerating, obviously. <laughs> yeah. but also the mini games in the original they go by super quick. They also they like the remake. It like it like zooms in on camera angles, makes you slow down, gets like hyper methodical to a point where, like, I can re- when I'm replaying Final the original Final Fantasy VII, getting through those mini games. Like some of them are frustrating. But I know I'll get through them because it's like two minutes. With Final Fantasy VII Remake, the crane games and the pump games, it to me, it kills the flow of the gameplay more than anything else. I spent so much time on squats and pull-ups. <laughs> but it was that's okay so because that, that track that plays optional. during it is a slapper. That that soundtrack, oh man. Going going for the going for like the the trophy for the for the pull-ups? Yeah, I, I was that on was the pole. I was I was against Jules for like at least an hour. I was getting pretty <laughs> mad, but yeah, it's yeah. So uh, I don't know about you guys, but every time I entered a new locale, whether that was this the Section Five slums, the Wall Market, or Section Seven, like I just took a moment to walk around, not running around, just like barely pushing the control stick forward, just enough for Cloud to walk, and just taking in the sights, walking around, listening to what people had to say to me, and my God. Do people talk a lot in this game? There's they a do. lot of side chatter, and it's... well, 
again, that adds to the world. Yeah. Like, there's so much world building that you get just from, like, chatter from characters. Like, the characters in the towns that believe the yeah. propaganda versus the avalanche supporters mm-hmm. versus the people who couldn't give uh, less of a shit about either one and are just talking about their own mindless nonsense. And it's like, there's there's a lot going on. Like, some- when there's a disaster and, like, some people are talking about in political context, like this, like how... The media might talk about certain disasters in our society, whereas other people are just concerned about, like, where's my, where's insert family member? I can't find my dog. You know, why is this happening? Was the fact that certain NPCs, like, keep recurring in the same areas. Mm -hmm. Like the Shinner recruit who, like, in, like, chapter three, he'll be yelled at by his superior. Oh, yeah, that's right. But he's the one who ultimately opens the gate when Wedge confronts them to save the people. I loved that. Sector seven. Yeah. That's... That's something that, and Renan, you can definitely back me up on this, that I love about the the Legend of Heroes series and the Trails in the Sky and all that. that does For the same sure, thing. dude. And then, like, this, yeah, that moment, too, where the, the Shinra recruit opens the gate. It's like, I'm sorry, sir, but I have to do this. It's like, yes, yes, yes. And you wouldn't have, like, gotten that little character moment if you hadn't taken the time to go and, like, visit him and see that that's just how he's like. It's very rewarding in that regard to, like, walk around and explore, but mm-hmm. I just don't feel like the level design matches that same like in like immersion that the npcs have yeah you are uh for the most part being shuttled from location to location in sometimes that are straight up corridors uh i think the the most not even the most interesting but the least straightforward level was when you were at the underside of the plate with barrett and tifa and you had to like shut off all the sun lamps there was a lot of like for me yeah, there, there was a lot of verticality to that that was really interesting to navigate, and I enjoyed that. And I also really liked uh, how there was a lot of little secret collectibles, a lot of good material to find there. But a lot of the other sections, like uh, the sequence where you're with Aerith and you're going through the section six uh, ruins, and you have the fucking mechanical hand puzzles. <laughs> <laughs> the, they, they, uh, the combat was still fun, and the banter between them as they yeah. went along was still fun, but you were definitely going through the motions at that point well it's only the third one that's even a challenge the first two the only challenge is like how do you get the optional thing if you want it yeah and even in the third one it's like i i know how to solve the puzzle and i know a faster way of solving it but you want me to solve it in a very specific way that takes longer that requires me resetting the whole puzzle after getting the optional thing it was just bad it was just bad (laughs) i'm just sick of final fantasy hallways I, I want level design again. I want dungeon design. I want Square Enix to remember what it's like to design an actual dungeon with, like, stuff to find and explore. And and it, that doesn't hold my hand from room to room. Right. Pretty much, like, all the dungeons in this one, save for that uh, under Underbelly one, was, where have I not been on the map yet? Over there? Okay, let me go fill in that part before going moving on. So it it was very kind of... I, I dislike open world games because it kind of gets into a checklist mentality. And Same. that was the, that's kind of what I fell into here when I wasn't in like a city or a, not a city, like a, a hub area or something like mm-hmm. that. Just going from point A to point B. So that that's definitely something that I would hope would be improved on in future parts. Since now it's like there supposedly will be a world map of some sort or not. Right. I'm not sure. <laughs> It'll probably be like 10. It'll probably be like you're. I can't imagine. I don't imagine them doing unless either it's going to be like ten, and there's going to be like 
here's your area, here's your path to the next area. I feel like it has to be like 10, because they won't give us the whole overworld. No, absolutely not. The only other option is, if you remember in 15, when they first start opening the game up, it's opened up in sections. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. So that would that's the only other way I can see them going is like, here's the blank area from um what's that from Kaim or Calm or whatever it is uh, to Junin right, and then so that Cosmo that Canyon that could be like its Man. own map, and then on the other side you'd have another map that would go from you know such and such to um, Sid's village right you know so the, like you could have little areas set up pre preset with like. It's like side quests that are in different places that are marked on the map, or it would have to be like ten, and everything's based on how this game is built. I expect it to be more like ten. Yeah, that's what I'm assuming as well. That's what it seems like too. And I know that there was a recent uh, statement that came out. I can't remember if it was from Nomura or the producer of the game, but basically saying that they are considering making future installments, future parts of this uh, smaller in scale, so that they can get them out in more reliable that uh, was katasi yeah that was yoshinori katasi yeah exactly and so i don't that's the case he seems to be he seems to be saying they seem to be saying opposite things about the game they are they absolutely are they're contradicting each other katasi and the whole ending of the game is like anything could happen and then yoshinori katasi is like well we're not going to drastically change the game and it's like yeah you already did so you get no more big bigs 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 being alive and Zack being alive? Zack, specifically. Zack is dead before the events of the original game even start. I You're telling me Zack's alive? I have so many thoughts on Zack that, I, I don't know, man, it's too much. Alright, alright, well that's, 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 a good, that's, a good, that's a good point to uh, jump into story and ending right now. And before we get into that, though, this is somewhat tangentially related. But something that annoyed me about cutscenes in the story was mm. the sound mixing. And how I had to play this game with subtitles on. I normally don't like playing games with subtitles on because, for whatever reason, when it's a, it, when the voice is in my language, I suddenly can't read subtitles and enjoy what's happening on the screen at the same time anymore. Right. Uh, it's not like when I'm watching anime, and so I always turn subtitles mm-hmm. off. But in this game, like the sound effects and the music would be so goddamn loud that it's impossible <laughs> to hear what the characters are saying sometimes. And I Early hate on, that. I. Yeah, early on, I put the I put the sound effects and music to eight, and the voices to ten. Wait, wait, wait! So there was a mixer because I looked yeah. for that. I couldn't yeah. find anything. There's a mixer. What? It, <laughs> it was what? like the first thing I played with. I, I that was the first thing <laughs> I looked for. How did I miss it? Well, you didn't look very hard. <laughs> okay, then. Well, because I did that in the first chapter. I did. all right because there'd be like yeah, there was that there was like the fight scene with Cloud Barrett and the uh, the Scorpion robot. And there's a lot happening, and the music's pumping, and I was like, I don't even know what they're saying. Yeah, and Such like, good music, by the way. Oh, yeah, the music is yeah. phenomenal. Absolutely. The, the, part the Genova the Genova fight? Oh. I have no idea what the fuck Genova is. I have no idea Genova, what that thing is. Don't tell Genova me. Genova Dreamweaver. No, I'm, I'll just say Genova Dreamweaver was a fight you had in this game, <laughs> but you're not going to know, like, you're not going to make a big stink out of it. Unless you know who Genova is, which I'm not going to tell you if you don't want spoilers right. from the from the remainder of the original game. But the way that fight unfolded, it was like a Dark Souls fight where they had different movements of music. And they did it a couple times with the more iconic music in the game, where it's like there's actually three movements of their of that music that play during the fight. I believe that's and the case for up. all the boss fights, actually, or most of them. 
Well, the, the the really iconic ones. I don't know. Maybe I just didn't notice it in everyone. I only noticed it in like the the Sephiroth and the Genova fights because it was like really on point. Look, listen to Crab Warden later. You'll thank me. Word. Oh man, the new Sephiroth theme. Oh man, it's was... actually my least favorite rendition of One Winged Angel. Oh really? It's too long. I, I, 11, I, 11 it's eleven minutes. minutes. Yeah, it's a long song. I haven't I listened to that the many volume up though. though, man. Tell me you're not. Yeah, tell me. Like you, you can say it's the worst rendition of it, but it's geez, still good. It, cranking, it's still a great. You're song. still gonna be cranking that volume up. That's like saying, yeah, what's the worst Beatles yeah. album or whatever. You know? I was so when I was playing through FF15, and you could go through like you could play classic Final Fantasy songs on the radio. I was shocked by how good the original One Winged Angel still sounds. Like, in that super primitive PS1 sound chip, it still sounds phenomenal. And I was like, how? How did they do this? No, Bowie. The intensity. The intensity of that when at first... I wrote about it recently for my Great Moments in Gaming article, or uh, column that I've been doing, just just to celebrate this game. And it's like, the, the biggest thing that's so memorable about that scene is just how Final Fantasy VII, like... When you think of modern Final Fantasy, you think of all these orchestral um, setups for this music because that's what you know of the series since since this moment, like since 1998, essentially. Yeah. But th- when you the Safer Sephiroth theme was the first time ever you had what sounded like real instruments in a Final Fantasy song. Mm-hmm. That that that's and real right. voices. Like it was like it was rendered through the PS1 sound trip, so it still wasn't perfect. But the, you could, you know, you know what's supposed to be a violin, right? I, I was very surprised by the voices too, because I had heard One Winged Angel for the first time in Kingdom Hearts, and so when I was listening, I was like, "Oh, they probably don't." Ha- that was probably added later or something like that. It's like, no, that's in the original. That's the song. Like, that was the first time they'd ever used vocals in a Final Fantasy song, and now it's just like. And then you look at Final Fantasy eight. It's front to back opera and vocals and Latin chanting and. <sighs> I, I have no connection to this series. <laughs> N- none at all. None whatsoever. <laughs> all right. Circling back around to uh, the, the story and ending now. So, yes. Fuck. So, when, I, when <laughs> I, I was going to the ending of this, and I had heard murmurings about the ending. About the people were, had thoughts on it. And I was like, okay. Like, I'm not exactly sure what that means, but that probably means something will happen. And so I go through the game myself, and I'm like, okay, that was an ending. I don't see what was a big deal about this. And then I dig deeper into it. Because it only matters. Yeah, yeah, it only matters if you have a connection yeah, to it. Yeah, exactly. Original. And I'm like, oh, I see why people are excited or upset about this. Well, like when Zach shows up, you're like, who's that guy with the black hair? And everybody in the original is like, what the fuck? Yeah, so... I, th- go ahead. I, th- I think... This is the ending to a different game. I don't. I don't think this was Final Fantasy Remake Part One's natural endpoint. To me, it doesn't feel like Chapter Eighteen on a whole. Like as soon as like the motorcycle chase ends, I feel like I've I've entered a different game, and I'm no longer following the same story. And Aerith is suddenly talking about fate, and the whispers are even more prominent. And Sephiroth is acting in a way I have never seen him act before. And it's it's all very awkward. And then like all the the scenes after the ending with Zack and Biggs, which is I feel is intentionally confusing in a way that doesn't titillate me and instead leaves me concerned for part two. 
Well, and and I guess that's probably the best point to talk about, <laughs> like why, like how Yoshinori Katasu, the producer of the game and director of the original game, uh, and Tetsuya Nomura, who was the character designer of the original game and the director of the new game, have, seem to be saying completely different things. And like, why even if Katasu's right? Like, he has to be just trolling, right? Like, he has to just be trying to preserve the surprise or something? I have no clue what's going... Like, what what they want out of, like, this remake anymore. Yeah, so... Because they're like... Go ahead. Because it's not a remake. I mean, we yeah. can say that right now. It's not a remake. It's it's a part of the compilation of Final Fantasy VII. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like a reimagining. That's of... what uh, Nomura said recently with the Ultimania interview uh, translation. You mentioned how... Remake has another meaning that he cannot answer what that means right now. <laughs> it's just like, okay. well, I think I think we already know what it means based on like I think he's trying to avoid spoilers mm-hmm. for the end of the game when mm-hmm. he says that, right? right? True, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's my. Theory That's what as I well. thought. Yeah, but so I that also upsets me because I think Final Fantasy VII has like one of the perfect video game endings. Well, any we don't know how much. I think that for me, that's the thrill. Is I feel like I'm still gonna get all my nostalgia kicks along the way, like replaying or playing through the the installments that are to come, like however many there are, whenever they come. I'm still gonna get like the points in the game that I love, and I'm still gonna see most of those. But the fact that when like the the stuff, I feel like you know, there's like this Game of Thrones thing, right? Like yeah. everybody had like. The, Early on in Game of Thrones, the people who had read the books were like, ha ha ha, wait till you see this, right? And that's how I feel about Final Fantasy VII. But when they said, once I got to the ending, I felt like I was in the later seasons of Game of Thrones, where suddenly nobody knew what the fuck was going to happen, right? And that's what, like, the ending of Final Fantasy VII Remake does. And it says, is Redacted going to happen? Maybe. I guess we'll see. You know, and when that scene happens, inevitably, in, in the next game... Is it going to finish the way we think it is or not? Do you think it'll happen in the next game? I think they're going to do that in the next game, absolutely. Because from my understanding, I thought that scene was like towards the The end end. of the game in the original. That's the end of disc one. But the end of disc one is also the, like, disc one goes for like, I think more than half the game though. It's like 60%. It goes for a long, it goes for a long time. It's not, it's, it's about 40%. 40-ish percent, I would say. It's you're right, 40% you're right, because Gaia's one. Cliff is at the start of disc 2. And then 40% disc 2, and then disc 3 is very little. Yeah, just the final dungeon. And then all those cutscenes they gotta cram in. No, it's just the cutscenes. It's how many cutscenes they gotta cram into that final disc. It's they, 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 like, eliminate... They eliminate areas in Final Fantasy 7 and Final Fantasy 8 and Final Fantasy 9. The final disc finds convoluted ways to eliminate a whole bunch of areas from the game just because they have to use all the disc space to, for uh, cutscenes. <laughs> you got to get creative back then. All right. Yeah. So 40% of the game, but Midgar in the original only consisted of like, what? Six hours. Yeah. Of, yeah about, like, about five to 10 hours, depending on how familiar you are with this game. If you're, I think if you're go, if you're really exploring around Midgar, I don't know, man. I think you're misremembering how big the original Midgar is. Maybe I'm, a, maybe I am to a certain point. I found, I found, especially Shinra Tower seems to go on for a pretty long time in the original, like two hours at least. Shinra it's like, Tower. yeah, it's like an hour and a half, like two hours. And then before that, it feels like yeah, at least, at least yeah, I guess six hours is pretty accurate. And so like, that's the original doesn't have to a 30 an hour long train yard. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, but I mean, again, I, 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 I'm, I just feel like I'm a broken record. But man, <laughs> the parts that they expand on most of the time, I feel like really work. With the exception, I, I think, of the sewer section. Where I'm like, why are we in the sewer? Why am I in the sewer? Why am I in the sewer? Get me out of the fucking like, sewer. The character expansions all make sense. They're sensible. I feel like they make the core cast even stronger. But, like, gameplay expansions, they don't really resonate with me. That reminds yeah, me of the, the sewer part, because Leslie is a new character, right? So yes. I <gasps> why am I spending an entire chapter with Leslie? <laughs> <laughs> that That's the worst chapter in the entire game. So, does... Does Don Corneo play a part later on? Yes, he does. Yes, okay. he she'll show he shows up in an important um, side okay, quest. Okay, so I guess it, it's safe to say that Leslie will be prominent again later on. Most as well, definitely, then. and probably I doubt they would just that. introduce him for this. Yeah. I I thought I thought Leslie was actually pretty neat, and that he he felt like he was caught up in the momentum he couldn't escape, and he didn't want anyone else to be trapped in that kind of situation like him. To the game's credit, uh, I, I even forgot he wasn't in the original at first. It took me a little bit to realize that he was a new character. Oh, wow, that is impressive. I, I get that. Like, I get what you guys are saying. It's just the reason I hate his chapter so much is it's a re. It's one of the only times in the entire game where you're literally retreading a place you've already been. Yeah, for sure, dude. Mm-hmm. In that regard, and it's the re- really bad. Yeah. And the reason you're doing it is to, is because Leslie wants you to, and you're like, Fuck off, Leslie. I don't care about... I mean, I was like, I don't care what your backstory is. Stop talking. Stop Get talking. Out Why of here. here? Get me out of here. Get me to the end of the game where this game is moving towards and I'm stuck in the sewers again for some reason. So, circling back uh, to, the, to that end of the game again. So, obviously the whispers and the ghosts of time are... Well, obviously to you guys. It wasn't obvious to me. But they were <laughs> new to this and they were nudging you towards a conclusion and so what what were your thoughts on them as you're going through the game did you did were you on to them I, at some point did you figure out what i the game hated was? them okay. i hated them for almost the entire game until i finally figured out what they were doing towards the end mm-hmm. and then i had a total 180 on them all right so I hated, similarly i hated them for almost the whole game until the end where i had a 360 on them and <laughs> kept hating them <laughs> all right all right. Hated so, them, liked them, and then hated them again. All right, so let's <laughs> let's uh, dig into that then. So uh, up until the end of the game, why did you hate them initially then? For me, I hated them because I had no idea why they were there. <laughs> and they just pissed me off every time they showed up because I would just be watching a normal scene in the game <laughs> that I recognized what was going on. And then a bunch of phantoms would float into the screen. And I'd be like, what is happening? Why are you here? What is... Like, I felt... I. Like, some people said they were on to them from, like, Chapter 7 or Chapter 8. I wasn't on to them until, like, Chapter 17, because I had no idea why they were in the game. If you assess them, I believe it, like, says they're Arbiters of Fate or something like that. Nobody actually says it until Red 13 says it in Chapter 17. And, I mean, let's be real. Arbiter of Fate in a Final Fantasy game? That could mean anything, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) Yeah, that that means nothing. (laughs) But when I picture when I replay like, like when I replayed it and you picture um you picture them all as like Final Fantasy VII fans trying to stop you from changing the game, I find that to be like the best thing ever. And I hope that's intentional. But like they're supposed to be like, wait, you can't do that. <laughs> like that's that was kind of like the laugh of them mm-hmm. when I was replaying it. Is I was like, no, Aerith can't fall through the balcony here. No, no, <laughs> you know, you feel like they're you're almost fighting like the nostalgia of the original game. You're battling it. 
that is yeah that that is a really interesting take on it yeah for me while i was going through they just they were just again because i didn't know that they weren't in the original i thought it was just final fantasy nonsense again it's like well Which, i'm not gonna I mean, you're not it yeah, i'm not gonna understand this nonsense. i'm not yeah i'm not supposed to understand what these guys are now i'm not gonna try to understand what they are now i'm just gonna keep going and they'll explain it eventually and even for me at the again at the end they didn't explain it for me because i'm like i have no idea what just happened and then it wasn't until i f- went and talked to people like you guys i understand oh okay it makes a lot of sense for them and what their importance and what their significance was. So, Renan, yeah, oh, go ahead. There was, well, there was like, um, there was an interview with, I was no mirror Kitasi. It was, I can't remember which one it was, but they were saying like, this game will work perfectly well for newcomers and for like people who have played the original. And I feel like there's certain parts where there's literally no resonance. Just question marks above your head if you haven't played the original. <laughs> like, especially the Zack thing at the end. Because, like, the only reason the Zack thing matters is because if you've played the original, you know who Zack is. In this game, nobody even mentions Zack. Cloud never, Cloud mentions, like, Cloud's like, oh, I might have had, like, a couple people I hung out with back in Soldier. But, like, literally nobody yeah. talks about Zack. I Zach. only knew Zack so, like, because, like I said, I played four hours of Crisis Core. Yeah. Right. So you knew he had some relevance, but you don't know what it was. Right. And- but most people are going to be coming in... If you're coming in fresh, most people are going to be coming in totally fresh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I would say it was a valid entry as a newcomer for me up until the very end, for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, uh, uh, as I said before, I was mm-hmm. utterly enthralled with uh, Cloud's character development and how he grew to be a part of this group. And there was the overarching Final Fantasy nonsense, large in life story happening in the background that I didn't care as much for because I was so invested in these characters. And that's what carried me through, for sure. Up until the end, like, Sephiroth, what the... I don't even know if you're real. Is any of this real? Is any of this actually happening right now? I don't know. That's a recurring theme in the original game, though, too. Okay. That's like, oh! and I'm, and I respect, I respect how much of it they could, they make it, like how, again, how much they make that work. You were probably confused for a lot of it because you'd see like those guys in the robes, and then it would switch back to Sephiroth. But once you, once it gets to a certain point in the story, all of like a lot of this weird stuff that you're not understanding will make perfect sense Mm -hmm, exactly and that that's what i figured was the case i had to keep reminding myself like this is is a larger part of a whole for sure and i'm not going to get all the answers i want Renan, it sounded like you wanted to say some things during that yes uh shit where where were we whispers you were gonna we were i'm sorry (laughs) i completely lost my train of thought just now uh so I can help you. So, uh, right. did you dislike the whispers for the main part of the game for similar reasons as Mike? And that is like they would just pop up out of nowhere, and you didn't know what they were or what their purpose they're, was. They're certainly intrusive, which is my biggest complaint with them. But I think yeah. what what really soured me on them ultimately came at the end, came at the very end, and doubles back to what I was saying about the ending feeling like it's a part of a different game, a different story altogether. Mm-hmm. Because Final Fantasy Remake Part One is centered in Midgar, and as a result has this very intimate, like, small-scale story that centers on these core four characters and their struggle within Midgar, with, like, the games, like, the originals, eco-friendly themes and, like, classes themes brought, like, to the forefront. So to end it on this note of, like, destiny and fate, I feel like not only spits in the face of that thematic maturity that carried over from the original... It makes the it makes Final Fantasy VII too big too soon because we're already fighting Sephiroth and the whispers and destiny and 
it, it's just it's so much to take in at once when we're really at like the beginning of this journey still right because Sephiroth hadn't made an appearance at this point in the original yet right no not yet he was a he was a presence that like the party and the player knew of but one that was quietly growing in the background mm-hmm and yeah. you follow him you follow him through Shinro Tower and that's mm-hmm. one of the best parts of the original game which they the don't trail of you don't blood. have much of that in this time yeah you what in the original game you follow a trail of blood from your you get caught by Shinro security and then you follow a trail of blood from your cell which Sephiroth has opened to all the way to the top of um, Shinro Tower where the president has been stabbed through his own death oh wow okay that's different it's, it's like one of the best moments in the original ff7 and they it's did so not good. adapt it that's about that was one of the only times in this game where i was like where's the trail of blood yeah so the, 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 and the when jelly. i got to the top and the, and the president was still alive and he's like da, 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 da. and i'm like no you need that iconic moment where you walk into the office to finally confront him and he's already dead like that was a big misstep for sure. And that was that was made because they wanted to emphasize the whisper interference. I think in that regard, right? Big yeah, time. Because doesn't yeah. Barrett die in like the same scene, like right yeah. after? He quote unquote yeah, dies. But, yeah, but then yeah. the whisper is like, "No, it wasn't your time yet." Yes. Well, I love I love how they still fuck up the whispers at the end, even though the whispers like literally save their asses so many times throughout the game. Yeah, because it's weird. That's what Era tells them to do in a weird way because. Aerith lets on that she knows a lot more than she's, or yeah, knows a lot more than she's letting on. Yeah, and so it's like you, we In have more ways than one. Yeah. Uh, apparently, uh, Sephiroth's last words in that final encounter, where he says, "Like seven seconds until the Big Bang, what will you do with that? That means something to you guys." It means absolutely. Well, only if you're a if you're a hyper nerd. I didn't get it. I really didn't get it. Okay. But um, if we're going to, we have to talk about spoilers from Final Fantasy VII in order to talk about, well, uh, I'll, I'll say it takes, it takes seven seconds for Redacted to happen. Oh, okay. Okay. Does it take seven seconds? Key, and that's the key. That's what I read online. I don't know if that's true, but I read on, I can't remember which site, but it was a reputable one. It wasn't right. like Jim's game blog or something <laughs> like that. It was like a, like it was one of the bigger sites right. said that. If you time, if you time from the second, like, for, it takes seven seconds for so-and-so to do blank to redact it. <laughs> okay. Well, that's that's a, you know what? I that could actually be a Final Fantasy um, spinoff title. Because we've seen the Kingdom Hearts series, so <laughs> so-and-so redacted could be, like, a, an actual name oh, for yeah, a game. Oh, absolutely. Kingdom Hearts, Darkness Redacted, or something like that. Yeah, easy. Easy. <laughs> All right. Yeah, but yeah, that that definitely makes sense. Then when you couple it with the ending, it's just like, whoa, what's gonna happen? What's what are we no, gonna... like that's that's way too intense for like even super fans like me and Renan. Like, yeah. I don't know how many times Renan has played through this game, but like I said, I've played through it at least eight to ten times. Mm-hmm. So, and it's a big game. So, right. because when when Sephiroth said that, I thought he meant literally like as soon as Cloud comes out of this dream, it's gonna, like, he has seven seconds until the world around him collapses, so what is he gonna do? And that wasn't the case. Like, okay, what was that about? And so, yeah. It... I immediately, th- I thought it was just, like, because it was Final Fantasy Seven. so <laughs> that was literally what I thought. Seven seconds till the end, Cloud. Seven seconds. What will Final, you do with Final it? Final Fantasy Seven seconds. 
Like, that's literally what I took from it. I was like, he must just be saying that because this is Final Fantasy VII. Alrighty. I think that about wraps up our discussion then, unless you guys have any final thoughts about the story, characters, or anything you want to get out there really quick. Uh, I want to point out, I do like this game. I think it's a very good game. Just putting that out on the record. Mm-hmm. You, but, you're uh, just it, it left a sour taste in your mouth because of the ending in a weird way. No, 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 no. I would not say the ending is okay. what left a sour taste in my mouth. I would say my biggest criticisms really are the level design and the pacing. Mm-hmm. Yes, I, the, I could. The, the ending is just like the caca cherry on top. I can remove it, but it's not like <laughs> the biggest problem. Okay, I could get behind that. What about you, Mike? In g- well, in general, like I said, my biggest qualm throughout the game would I would just be watching like a normal story part that I'd been excited to see, like the plate falling. The plate falling is one of the best, most iconic parts of the original game, and then I'm like, what are these ghosts doing here again? Yeah, <laughs> like I would just be, I was like, holy cow! I can't wait to watch Avalanche get their asses destroyed and Barrett have to like yell them like to to feel like when that that moment when Barrett is feeling that that anguish based on like watching all of his friends die. And, like, the entire revolution dying before his eyes and, like, the price of everything he's done. But then you're like, you're like, oh, my God, why are these ghosts here? I know. You know, like, there's so much to think about with, like, when that scene is happening. And you're like, oh, I can't wait to... And then there's ghosts there. Why are there ghosts there? But, like, again, the only reason that was finally okay with me is because they I thought they paid it off in a good way at the end. If they hadn't, I would have been pissed off at the end. And I will say, like, the scene directly after that when... Uh, they escape and it's just Barrett, Tifa, and Cloud, and Barrett's like punching the wall, like "Damn it, damn it!" Like the, the voice acting in this game also incredible, so good. Yeah. That that was insane. I I actually uh, met Barrett's voice actor at PAX, and he looks pretty much exactly like Barrett minus the machine <laughs> gun arm. It's pretty funny. <laughs> <laughs> well, everybody in the game, but especially the girls, the girls. The three main girls, uh, Brianna Barton, Erica Lindbeck, and I think Brianna White? Brianna White? I can't remember who, who Aerith's one was. But they were, the, all three of them, holy cow. The girls bring nuance. Even, what what was her name? Uh, Marlene's voice actor yeah. was good. That, I that, played that in scene. Japanese. <laughs> <laughs> I almost started, I almost started crying when Tifa had to go get, or when actually Aerith. when Aerith had to go get Marlene, that was and talk her out of the, try and talk her out of Seventh Heaven, yeah, before it before it gets destroyed, but still trying to like, I need to build a relationship with this child that this child's gonna trust me, but we really need to get her here quick. Yeah, the it, nuance of that scene, <sighs> Aerith, Aerith in general surprised me because I I had no idea how much of a firecracker she was gonna be. <laughs> Because they did a really good job way there. more than the original, let me assure you, way more than the original. I wouldn't but say it, way more. I, I'd say she more. Doesn't give Cloud, she doesn't give Cloud that much of a hard time in the original. No, not that much of a hard time, but she's de- she definitely like sees through him pretty explicitly. You're right, you're right. She, yeah, the, the way she point, doesn't take right. a shit, because the only experience I had with her was in Kingdom Hearts, where she's like a very demure... Like almost like a, a kind nothing of, character. Yeah, damsel in distress. And then here is just like she curses. Every, like that was the moment where she really surprised me. It's like when you're climbing up the ladder, like you're traversing the rooftops, and the ladder breaks. It's like shit, and she grabs on top. <laughs> like oh my god, she cursed. What? That blew my mind yeah. too. To be fair, because 
To, and and to to your point, that is literally the only time she curses in the entire game, yeah. which is true to her character because she can she can be feisty, but she's very prim and proper compared to Tifa, who's more down to earth. Mm-hmm. I I think that also surprised me was how on the opposite end of the spectrum, how feminine and girly Tifa was. Yeah. Like she was still very mature and well put together, but she definitely had that that girlish charm to her that I did not expect at all either. So it's my preconceptions of all the characters going into this, except for maybe Barrett, were just completely shattered, I think, in, in a very good way. Well, to their point, to like their point where with all these expansions, they give a lot of new depth and a lot of more, a lot more nuance to these characters, especially based on where you are in this experience. Like some of those layers do come out later in the game in the yeah. original. But when you're when we're in Midgar and you've already got this much depth and nuance to the central cast of this game, it re- it's really I think it's really going to strengthen how these characters grow as the cast gets heavily expanded in the next game. Mm-hmm. It'll be particularly interesting because Part Two is going to have to do the character arcs for Barrett and Red Thirteen, like at the very least. Yeah, those two will definitely be in it. They might get to Sid, um, or to a certain point of Sid. I don't know. It depends on how much they're going to the front line certain things, because there's a lot of scenes that we saw in this game that weren't that we we had no idea about in at this point in the original adventure. Mm -hmm. Like you don't have that Nibelheim flashback with Cloud and Tifa when they're kids. You don't have Aerith as a little kid. Like there's a lot of stuff that you see in this section of the game mm-hmm. that isn't at all introduced yet in the like Genova you're not fighting Genova or Sephiroth obviously yeah. in this Midgar section <laughs> yeah the, you barely know who Genova and Sephiroth are in the in the Midgar section those little flashbacks but, to the outside world has me so excited to see what the rest of this world looks like because yeah. my world right now is Midgar and they did a very good job of fleshing out Midgar and making it feel like this very well established metropolis but that's not the entire world. There's a lot more out there, and I can't wait to see what this world is like. I'm excited to see it's Wutai. A, oh, yeah, that's that too. It's a very yeah. dynamic. Yeah, it's a very dynamic world in the original game, too. So, yeah, I'm, I'm very excited. Based on, like, Midgar, like, I don't know what you were on, but who cares about Midgar is how, is how I generally feel about the original game. Likewise, Midgar is the, like, it's the opening. It's the part of the game I play because I want to play Final Fantasy VII and get to the game. It's still amazing. But, yeah. Like, it's restrictive. Big time. And it all looks the same. Mm-hmm. And the amount of, again, the amount of nuance they managed to give to this, to this part, which is po- mostly just in the original game, it just feels like you're in, like, uh, dystopia. Classic dystopia. Everything's mm-hmm. dark and, like, kind mm-hmm. of neon green and, like, looks like shit. Going but, into like, this game, I wasn't like sure if there purpose, was going to be right? daytime. I thought it was all going to be night. <laughs> I was actually so really many... surprised to see the sun because I never interpreted Final Fantasy VII slums as having like true natural light. I always interpreted so it as much, perpetually dark. So much magic hour in this game. So much magic hour. Like there's so there's like two or three like very intensive scenes where it's like characters running around and here's the sunset the whole time. Especially that scene where you're climbing the climbing up to the plate. Yeah. Like that oh, entire yeah. that entire chapter is magic hour. And it's just gorgeous. Uh, that, that, Except that, when that, you look at the skybox. I was about to say, yeah, that, that skybox. <laughs> oh, Abyss- oh man, yeah, no. that was a uh, that's I was not expecting I, to see that there. I, I I glanced at it and then I took a moment and I was like, I 
this can't be what I'm fucking looking at. This is a PNG. Hold on a second. (laughs) Yeah, that's like... game is absolutely gorgeous and it's incredible what they managed to do with it but you can see where they 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 take this is pushing the ps4 to its absolute limit like the amount of spaces you have to crawl through so that the next area can load the sky boxes and so on and so forth like they they do a good job of hiding it but there you can tell uh there are some parts of like ps5 man this will all be gone this will look much better Yeah, they're feeding you through. They're feeding you through a meat grinder so that they can push this giant thing through these tiny cylinders, yeah. right? Did you guys play on a pro, by the way, or was on? A... No, I pl- I played on my uh, launch PS4. Oh man, so I, Me I, too. I hear, I hear it's had some uh, chunky performance issues here and there on the original PS4. Yeah, I didn't really notice. Like I, I, I saw that and a lot of complaints, but for the most part, I it, I felt like it worked really well. Okay. But I don't know. It's nothing too like, bad to ruin the game for me, but like it wasn't it wasn't my ideal playing experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was fortunate to play on a pro, so it was a uh, silky smooth for the most part. I'm not a big tech player, especially if I'm into the game though. Like Yeah, me neither. I'm when I review games or when I play games one way or the other, I don't notice and if I'm really into a game, Ooh. certain tech issues might slip past me, especially the more the more like hyper tech guy tech issues like oh frame drop you know i'm like the kind of guy who's like why isn't this part of the world loading Mm -hmm. it has to be pretty like intrusive yeah for me to so take that with a grain of salt is what i'm saying (laughs) (laughs) i i did notice some uh pop-in problems here and there but yeah nothing was super intrusive it was more just like look at this really blurry sign that'll take another five seconds to load or something like that. Yeah. Alrighty, but cool. yeah, mostly forgivable. Yeah, and it's going to be really interesting to see what future parts look like on the PS5 because these are absolutely going to be on the PS5. Yeah, most definitely. It's not going to. We're not going to get all the parts on the PS4. Mm-mm, not, not at all. I, I, I bet we get the next part as cross gen, and then mm-hmm. everything after that will be PS5 exclusive. They'll be like, "Nah, well, man, this is our definitely. This is our, this is our cash cow. We got to go all out and make it the best it can possibly be, and not be hampered by previous gen hardware." <laughs> well, Final Fantasy's never been held back by gatekeeping before, so don't let them start you now. Like, That's fair. They're like, if you want to play the entire Final Fantasy VII experience, you got to buy a PSP. And a DVD player, and a really good Japanese phone, and like, yeah, they've never been held back by this sort of thing before. That is very fair. Okay, I think that will wrap us up. Then we have all right. We had a really good discussion here. Lots of back and forth. Lots of very fair criticisms too. But it's safe to say that we're all, at the very least, highly curious to see where this will go forward. And hopefully, we don't need to wait as long for the next part. They have the engine in place now. And they have a lot pre- of assets, so... I'm predicting by the end of 2021, we'll get part two. Ah! I'm thinking... I'm with Renan. I think they might be going for a yearly structure with this. Maybe. I, I That would be... I would love that. For me, I'm expecting more of a 2020, late 2021 announcement, and then like an early 22 release, maybe. I feel like they've already set the foundation gonna... for sequels to like be reliably built, though, with part one. So I feel like That's that what... might end up making the dev time smaller see that's what i keep telling myself but this is also square enix yeah with final fantasy so it's really anyone's said, game yeah yeah they i don't know and like and like as we've 
pointed out there's there's kind of contradicting stories and i think one of these guys is well i think katasi's full of shit and he's just trying to cover like for what like well, what do you mean we're gonna change things <laughs> you know i think he's just covering trying to cover square Enix's ass I think this game's going to be wildly different. I don't think Redacted is even going to happen. Oh, I think, I think it absolutely pl- will. 100%. I think they're going to play. I think they're going to play with it a lot in the in the next game, whether it's going to happen or whether it's not oh, going to happen. Most I definitely. think it's going to be the central playing point of the game. Is like, are we doing it? Are we not going to do it? I guess we'll see. I ultimately think it's going to be a you can't fight fate kind of deal. That's what I'm predicting. Uh, yeah, it could it could go. I have a feeling redacted might happen to uh, Barrett rather. Interesting. And it has to be like one. I feel like it has to be a central cast member because if it's just a side character that you just met in like in the second game, I think I think it has to be one of the core cast, right? Well, why do you think they showed Biggs, everyone's favorite? <laughs> yeah, like oh. <laughs> Yeah, like, I don't know, like, it really, like, I feel like for this game to have, and especially for Sephiroth to have the gravitas that he has, he has to do this unforgivable thing that makes you really want to come after him. I I personally hope Redacted still happens. I don't know if it will or won't, but mm-hmm. I just want to see that scene fully realized in modern technology and be, I want my, okay, actually, let's, I'll rephrase that. What whatever shape or form redacted happens, I want it to tear me apart. I want it to completely and utterly shred my heart and soul to pieces, and just like reduce me to a fetal position for the rest of the night. That's what I hope from this. <laughs> me too. That I hope that from part two as well because the original it really does hit like those right emotional notes, and the remake has an opportunity to amplify that. Absolutely, and I think what they've shown with this first part, they are absolutely capable of that. Alrighty, uh, before we sign off then, uh, Renan, do you want to tell the audience uh, where they can find you at, where you write for, what you, anything you want to promote? Yes, absolutely. You can find my video game reviews on cubed.com, that's C-U-B-E-D-3.com, and you can find my features on Goomba Stomp. That's, you know how to spell Goomba Stomp. <laughs> hope you know how to spell Goomba I hope so. <laughs> Mike, what about you? You're one of our trusty editors at Goomba Stomp. Where else can we find yeah, you? Yeah, you can... Yeah, you can find my fingerprints on a lot of articles at Goobastomp because I'm doing a lot of editing there. I also do my writing there. Um, I have a new column that I've been doing for about five or six weeks off and on called Great Moments in Gaming. So if I'm going to push one thing, it's probably going to be that. Uh, I also write over at Culture Vultures. And you can find me on Twitter at GamesKeeperMike. Awesome. And as always, you can find me on Goomba Stomp as the anime editor. Uh, you can look forward this weekend. We should have our seasonal anime viewer's guide going up pretty soon. So if you're wondering what to watch in these quarantine times, we'll have all of that good for you to go. You can find me on Twitter at MusingMojack, M-U-S-I-N-G-M-O-J-A-C-K. Fantastic. Well, thank you guys for joining me for this special side story, Gaiden, EX, <laughs> Paralog, Anime Ichiban episode. Alpha. You guys are a pleasure. Remember, remember before Alpha. we started recording when I said I couldn't possibly spend an hour and a half talking about this game? <laughs> <laughs> what a fucking liar. Oh, yeah. It's I, a I figured this game. may have happened. There's a lot to talk about. I'm sure there's a lot more that we're going to realize after we get off the call. It's like, oh, wait, there's that part. Oh, this, for this. sure. Absolutely. There's still a lot. Well, to thank you very much for inviting me on for this because what a joy. I'm yeah, man. Super this is a glad blast. This happened. Yeah, absolutely. I, I love just digging into things that just. 
I need to explode about this. I need to talk about it to someone. So this is great. Awesome. Well, thanks for joining us, and we will see you next time for our regularly scheduled Anime Ichiban episode. Ciao!